The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Amen. Good morning. Maybe I should say in Spanish. Muy buenos días. ¿Cómo están todos? Oh, qué bien. ¿Dónde están mis hermanos latinos esta mañana? Ah, qué bien, qué bendición. ¿Hay alguien aquí que, que está de Cuba? ¿La isla de Cuba? No. Dominican Republic? No. Qué bien. Uh, anybody know what I just said in English? No. Are you impressed? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Getting off to a good start here. Um, I'm, I'm just so joyed to be here this morning. I want to thank Pastor Josh uh, for letting me come. Uh, we booked this a little while back, and uh, I came all this way to see your beautiful faces this morning, and um, it, it is not a letdown. It is, your, your faces are so beautiful, so amen. <laughs> Making friends this morning. Um, so pl- pray for my family as I'm away. Um, I pray that the video touched your heart and kind of gave you an introduction as to who we are as a family. Um, since that time, uh, obviously you saw Aslan, Maddie. Since that time, we've had a third, uh, another girl. Her name is Lucia. And uh, she just turned one uh, in September, and so I am drastically outnumbered, three, four to one, three to one. So pray for me. I'm praying for a boy. My wife says no. So I twisted her arm and said, okay, well, there's other ways, a.k.a. adoption. And uh, so we're going through that right now. But um, anyways, it's a blessing and a joy to serve the Lord. Uh, We are excited that we have a year now in the Dominican Republic, and uh, we are so, so thrilled for next year is going to be a big year. Uh, we've poured ourselves over the last year into studying Spanish and preached my first two sermons this past June after nine months of study, uh, which was just awesome. Uh, they were saying amen while I was preaching, so I guess that's a good thing. And um, we are just about ready to have our first interns next fall over from Cuba in the Dominican Republic, which has just an amazing privilege. Um, so we'll talk more about that tonight. Also, we have uh, an opportunity to have a large network of uh, village remote pastors in India that we, we support. So you don't want to miss it tonight. Come tonight, because I really want to talk about it. But uh, we're going to wait till tonight. So come back. I'd uh, love to introduce you to our ministry tonight. And I heard that you're taking a missions trip next year to the Dominican Republic. So that's good. Come and visit us, as well as Bradley Edmondson, a good friend of mine. And uh, we'll be looking forward to that. But you are in your Bibles nonetheless. Uh, Psalm chapter number 83. We'll read verse number 18, uh, as you saw in the video. And I um, do, do want to take the time to thank my, my, my wonderful hosts. Thank you so much for uh, letting me stay at your home, the chapels. You guys are great. So they put up with my snoring the past couple nights. But uh, good. Thank you, man. Good to see you. And Dan, love you, man. We'll, we'll catch up later. So many cool people in this church. I love this place. <laughs> You're not laughing. Why? Because you know I'm lying, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. just kidding. Uh, Psalm 83, verse number 18. It says, That men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art most high over all the earth. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, who passing, uh, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength, 
Every one of them appear, every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O, o God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I've taken the, the title of my message from the theme in these verses, Leave a Well. Leave a Well. Have you ever been so thirsty uh, that you just desired so badly for a drink of water? Kind of like what I'm experiencing right now. You know, your mouth is like super dry and you just can't seem to refresh or find that quenching. You know, I don't know that any of us have ever been dying of thirst. We use it as a phrase just to flippantly throw out. But have we ever really come to the place in our lives where we're literally dying of thirst? You know, I'm so hungry, I'm starving to death. <laughs> Throw these phrases out there without even really considering, you know, whether it's, we know it's an exaggeration. But the question is, have we experienced those times in our lives? Have, has there been a time in your life where maybe not for lack of water, but for lack of something else, you've gone through a point in your life where you feel so dry, you feel... Like you are walking through a desert and you can't find refreshment. In these verses, we see David talking about this valley, the valley of Baca, he says in verse number six. And not to be confused, this is not bacon, in case any of you are wandering and dreaming of bacon this morning. So let's keep our mind and thoughts on the text here. But the Valley of Baca, what is this Valley of Baca that he is talking about? As we study it out, Baca literally means weeping, affliction, or misery. Another commentary comments that it may have also been called at one time, Thirsty Valley. And someone else suggests that the valley may have been lined with tombs, which gives it this obvious imagery of being a very sorrowful place. Imagine going through this valley on your way to, as we find out in the first half of the chapter, he's talking about pursuing the house of God, pursuing God's presence, going to the tabernacle. We know from Old Testament that, uh, you were right, man, this, flan, this fan is just blowing my pages all over the place. <laughs> it's okay. We know from Old Testament context, if they were to seek the presence of God, they had to go to the physical place of the tabernacle into the holiest of holies where only specific ones could go to experience the presence of God. And so as it is in our lives, although we don't have to go to a place to have the presence of God, there is that imagery as, as we are pursuing and seeking after God along the way we go through these times of drought as we pursue the presence of God in our lives. And so it is interesting to note that one time or another it is almost a prerogative. If you are to seek after God, there is no promise that seeking God or becoming a Christian makes it then a guarantee of ease, right? Accepting Christ gives with it the very connotation that if we're following Jesus, we're following him to Jerusalem. What was Jerusalem? The place where he was crucified, the place where there was suffering, the place where there was rejection. And as we follow him, we follow him knowing that there will be these times of drought in our lives, and so reaching the other side of the valley 
is only half the goal. We don't go through these valleys thinking, if I can only get out of here, Lord, just take me out of this terrible place. But if we do that, we miss the importance of the moment. God, what are you teaching me? What do I have to learn in the valley? There's something there for me to learn. And so the soul thirsts for God, and there is that constant longing to be refreshed and re-strengthened. And you know, what does this have to do with missions? I can only think, as I just imagine in our world, the countless billions of people that are seeking after refreshment and fulfillment Never being able to come to that place where they can find that ultimate joy and purpose in life. We think we have it bad as Christians, but think about those that are in the valleys of life time after time, and their whole life may seem like a valley, only never to find the giver, the water of life. This has everything to do with missions. We must find what God has for us in the valleys and how do we get through? You know, how do we get through those times in our lives? We can get through because we glean from those that have gone before. But ultimately, we're able to get through because of Jesus. Because of his death and his resurrection, we can have life. We can find life. There is always life to be found in whatever situation of life we find ourselves. There's always an eternal purpose. There is always refreshing. And we can count on that because of Jesus. Isn't that great? We don't have to wander through life with, with an emptiness of not being able to attain that joy or attain that refreshing. Jesus is always there. And we'll talk about that as we get into our text. But as we've all experienced the valleys of life, you know, let's, let's reflect and find out what is David saying to us in this text. For me, I think you saw this morning what my greatest valley was and still is and forever will be until Jesus comes back. In, in February of 2012, we were almost finished deputation, raising support, traveling throughout America. We ended up getting in 44 different states um, by the time we finished raising our financial support to get to the field. And we had just taken everything that we had and th- threw it into a storage container, threw everything else in the van, and just started circling the country. So if you don't know what deputation is, it's what people like me do who are missionaries to get to the field, right? We've got to raise our financial support in order to get there. And so we do this process where we go through and visit different churches and present our ministry, much like what we're doing today. But nonetheless, um, we were just coming near the end of it. Aslan had been born in 2008. She was born in Canada. I am Canadian, eh? Are there any other Canadians here in the house? No? Oh, man. All right. It's going to be a long service. <laughs> we had <laughs> What? <laughs> okay, amen. <laughs> in 2008, we had Aslan, and she was just a joy. Just, oh, she was so precious. She looked like me, which is part of the reason why. My wife's not here. I can say that. And don't you tell on me, all right? <laughs> she was such a joy. Our first child, she was so special. We just loved what a joy of being a parent. But there are obvious sacrifices we need to make as parents if we're to do what's best for our families and if we're to follow where God leads. And so it was then that 
we just decided that I would, I would quit my job as God had been working on my heart and pursue him, follow him, follow him. For me, the, the following him was to the mission field. And so we followed him. And just along the way, as I was saying, in February 20th, 2012, as we were driving to Ohio from North Carolina, our van had hit a patch of ice and spun out just wildly. And her door lined up right with the pole. And I remember her last words that she ever said to me, Daddy, can I have some yogurt? It was early that morning. She was hungry. And I said, no, Aslan, you need to go to sleep. And I'm glad I said that by God's grace because she literally fell asleep and woke up in heaven. I thank God for that. And I'll never forget as we were spinning out of control, my wife grabbed her and shook her to wake her up because of what was happening. And she just screaming at the top of her lungs as we couldn't stop hit that, glasses shattered, airbag went off, punched me in the nose, and it was just a cloud of confusion. What is going on? Jumped out of the van, scooped up Aslan, and literally saw her take her final breath in my arms. And in an instant, she was gone. And thus began for us a lifelong journey through the valley. People who've gone through things like that, if you're here this morning, if you've experienced something like that, you know you never get over it. And you never get out. You never get out of that valley. It's always there. As I would then battle flashbacks of the accident, driving over a bridge, and I would just cringe thinking about what could happen. But through it all, God did something incredible. And what I want to talk about this morning are four things that I see from this text that give us some meaning, purpose, and assurance that what we experience in life, though it may seem like rock bottom to us and something that shouldn't take place, is actually nothing other than the divine plan of God for our good and His glory. Romans 8.28. The first thing I want you to see is that you must go through your valley. Through your valley. Don't quit. Keep going. You will never make it through if you give up. So what can be the motivation for continuing and pushing on through the valley? We had many people that would tell us, Matt, justified if you quit. Justified if you don't keep taking your family, dragging them to the mission field. That's fine. We would understand. But I'll never forget, one pastor came to me as I was in the hospital Aslan in the next room, they just told me that she had, she had passed. And I remember sobbing and weeping, begging God, why? And the pastor told me, he said, Matt, you have an opportunity now to prove that everything that you've been preaching for your life were not just words, but you meant them. Did you mean what you say? Are you willing to live out the gospel that you've been preaching? And I remember that challenge. And I remember, as we see David pursuing the presence of God, he provides this inner motivation for us as why he vehemently desired to the point of fainting after being at the tabernacle. Is what he says. 
Because it was there at that time in the Old Testament, he could enjoy the living God. He longed for God's presence. Why did he desire to pursue and keep going through? Because he knew that the person in which he was pursuing was nothing other than God. It was nobody else other than God. He wanted the presence of God in his life. There's a special blessing, a hidden secret, if you will, an otherwise unknown comfort that comes with being in the valley because it is in those times that the soul decides to seek refuge and rest in the God of all comfort. It is an overwhelming relief that can be found in knowing that you are not alone. You are not alone. I am not alone, no matter what circumstance of life. Thinking about this, reflecting on the text, I couldn't help but go back to, or forward, if you will, to Luke twenty-two, forty-two, as Jesus is saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We must come to the place where we say, God, I don't want this, but nevertheless. This is not something that I would have, I would have chosen for my life, but nevertheless, 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 leave it, and I will pursue God. I will pursue his presence, trusting him, going through the valley. He will reveal himself to you and provide comfort, assurance, and peace. When we say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I remember somebody asked me, uh, as we were kind of in the aftermath of that, you know, Matt, what, like, what do you feel? And I remember saying, I remember saying to somebody one time, this might sound so weird, but my heart is full of thanks. You'd be like, what? <laughs> How is that possible? We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving. Turkey Day, as some people call it. <laughs> Thanksgiving. What could we possibly have to be thankful for? The thankfulness that, that came by the grace of God was nothing other than a thankfulness that God already knew that that was going to happen before any of us were even a thought and had prepared an exit strategy. He had prepared a way out, which is what? The coming of Christ, our eternal home the glorification of our bodies. I know this isn't the end. There's coming a day where we'll be reunited. So I can go through the valley looking to that day, seeking God's presence and waiting for the reunion. And for that, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I don't have to wander wondering. I know where she is. The second point, number one, go through your valley. Number two, we're going to move quickly. Others have passed this way before you. You're not the first to go through your valley. You can draw strength knowing that others have made it through before you. You may even drink from their well of experience. Verse number four, blessed are they that dwell in your house because they will still be praising thee. We know it's, it's simple deduction. If there are people praising God in his house, that means they got through the valley. So there are people on the other side that made it, and they're praising God. So we can know that no matter what we're going through, there's people that have gone on before us and have made it by God's grace. And how is this possible? Because of verse number five. How have they passed this way before us? Because their strength is in thee, verse number five. 
One commentator says, David again informs us that the purpose for which he desired liberty of access to the sanctuary was not merely to gratify his eyes with what was to be seen there, but to make progress in faith. And I think that's what we miss a lot of times. We miss in the valley being able to grow. You know, we're commanded to grow in the grace of God, to grow in our walk with the Lord. How is that, other, how is that ever possible I'm thinking Spanish, sino que. <laughs> How is that ever possible if we don't ever go through some times of pressure and stress so that we might grow? What we call that sanctification, being conformed to the image of Christ through the circumstances that come into our lives. So here it is. Others have gone through the valley, and what was the result? They experienced an indescribable peace from the presence of God, and they grew in their faith. This then led others to pass on behind them. Isn't that great? Go through the valley. Others will pass this way before you. Others will pass this way behind you. Others will pass this way after you. Look at it in verse number six. Who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. What does he mean when he says strength to strength? Because I don't see any strength in the valley. What is he talking about? Strength to strength here is to signify that according, according to the appointment of the law and after the Ark of the Covenant was removed, the people of God would come to Zion in great numbers. Follow me here, okay? Provoking one another to this good work. It's good to go to church. It's good. And so we see this foreshadowing of people flocking to the house of God. The word used here signifies a troop or band of men but most commonly power and strength. So think about this. It means the people seeking after the presence of God will regularly acquire fresh strength and will continue on through weariness and fatigue until they reach their destination. So we see here this imagery of all of these people pursuing and seeking after the presence of God. There's strength to strength. There's troop and troop. And it seems like we have a couple troops here in church today. You know, we can be assured of and strengthened by as others passing this way after us and knowing that as we do this together, as we do this together and we do life and we walk with the Lord, we're not walking alone. We're going to bring people along with us. And maybe they're going to come on behind us, you know, as we hold hands and sing Kumbaya. <laughs> as we hold hands and we pull other people by the example of, the example of our lives. But a lot of times, what happens when we go through the valleys and we look at our circumstances, we look inwardly. Ah, this, look how this makes me feel. This isn't fair. This isn't right. What are we, we're looking at us. And we're forgetting about everybody else who's watching. When we got to the, to the Dominican this past, well, December we moved, January, finally moved into our apartment. There was a man that came into our apartment building and we put, you know, family pictures all over the place. And, and he walked into our apartment building. It's this old Dominican man. He's just, he's like my Dominican grandpa. He's just really a cool guy. And um, he walked into our apartment and he, he looked at some of the pictures and then he looked at our kids and he's like, well, where's that one? You know? And so I proceeded to briefly tell him the story. And I'll never forget as, as, as Fran, he just broke down. You know, grandpa, you know how grand- grandparents are, right? <laughs> Where are the grandparents? Huh? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he just broke down crying because he, he felt that as though it was one of his grandchildren. And he walked away and he said, I'll be back. Walked away, came back, 
and he said, I want you to come to my house for lunch tomorrow. I want you to, I have all of my family, extended family from all over the world, and I want you to come and I want you to pray for lunch. Catholic man, I want you to come to my house. I thought, okay, all right. I gave him the only track we had. We wrote these little tracks that kind of tell the story. We had one in Spanish, only one, and I gave it to him. And so the next day we go and have lunch. And he cradles Lucia like it was, you know, his, you know, his own baby. And it was just so precious. And so here I am with all this extended family. And he's, he's you know, talking in Spanish here. He's like, Matt, could you just bless the food? And it's one of those moments where you're like, okay. <laughs> Lord, we do thank you for the grace and love of Jesus Christ and how he sent his son, you know, one of those, to die for our sins. And Lord, thank you so much that we can have victory in life. And he gave me a few minutes afterwards to just talk about what we're doing there. And that began a friendship that to this day I still nurture. And I'm still praying that he would get saved. But what happens? You know, people look around and they see and they're looking for something that is of real value, something that's real. There's so much plastic and artificiality here in this world. But others can be refreshed by your going through the valley and your reaction to it. You know, oh, they lost a child, but... They're here. How does that make sense? None other than the grace of God. Strength is strength. We do this together. And it's important that we visualize this place. Think about it. It's dry and barren. There's no water. If there's any essential element that we need in our lives, it's water. Water is essential to our survival. You know, I can think of the, 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 the imagery as... As, as David says, they're going through this valley, and then all of a sudden he says, who passing through the valley, make it a well. Wait a minute. You're dying of thirst, literally, and you tell us to dig a well in the middle of the desert. David, I think the sun has gotten to your brain. <laughs> You're hallucinating. Why would we ever need to dig a well in a dry and barren desert with our hands, knowing we'll never get water? Because that is faith. That takes faith. I'm going to dig a well, God, in faith that you will fill it. That you will fill my desert, my little well, with your presence. Rain, he says, the the rain filleth the pools. Rain in the Bible sometimes is is an imagery of the grace of God. How do we dig wells in our lives? We offer the sacrifice of praise. God, I don't understand my circumstance. I don't understand why, but I'm going to make this place a well. And I will dig. And I will praise you, trusting that you will pour your grace out to us soon thereafter. And what does he say happens? The rain comes, and we are refreshed. Isn't that wonderful? Knowing that when we're stuck in the valley, all we have to do is just praise God in advance for what we know he's going to do. But it's very hard to do, isn't it? When you've got cancer and you've only got a few days left, or you've lost that job and you can't find another one and your house is about to be foreclosed. Well, how am I going to praise God then? Point number four, be willing to let God use your trial 
for his glory. This is how we do it. Verse number 10, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will, he will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. There's so much rich promise in these verses that I have gleaned from time and time again Knowing that God, if I maintain my walk, Lord, if you give me the grace to continue to pursue you and walk uprightly, just man falls down seven times and gets back up again. If I will continue to get back and get back up by your grace, Lord, I know, I know that you will be my sun and shield. I know that you will shield me from that sun in the desert, which is able to kill in the desert. I know you will shield me. I know you will give grace. I know that you will give glory. I know that you will not withhold good things from me because I am seeking after you. And then after all of that, he ends with this kind of refrain, blessed, it, blessed is the man that trusts in thee. It's impossible to seek the blessing of God without having to go through the valley without having to praise the Lord at times of sacrifice. And I do not want you to sit there thinking, you know, well, look, he's got it. No. Uh-uh. There are many days that we still, I mean, I don't find myself crying anymore, but I find the internal struggle. The devil says these lies. And he brings discouragement. And he takes, you know, tries to take away the desire of pursuing God, pursuing God. It's a continual battle, is it not? It's hard. It's very hard. But we know that there's a blessing that is promised if we just continue to march on through and dig wells and dig wells. You know, I wonder... If people were to come behind you and drink from the well that you dug, what would the water taste like? Would it be bitter? Or would it be sweet? And what are you leaving behind for other people? 